Is Montreal fun? Do we know this? I can I can vouch for that, yes. Pat Steinberg, fun guy. Fun guy. Can we say that now? Now that Kawhi's gone, yeah, or is fun guy say. dead to us? Uh, we, well, there's got to be a new fun guy, right? Are you saying you're replacing Kawhi Leonard as the fun guy with Pat Steinberg? I think Pat Steinberg's the fun guy. It has been a nightmare season for the BC Lions, and that 1-7 mark on the standings doesn't look so good. But what about the BC Lions in fantasy football? Are we starting to trust them a little bit more, putting them in to our lineups each and every week? Well, let's find out. Welcome to the Week 10 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast, presented by Leo Vegas. Get your lineups in at cflfantasy.tsn.ca. All year, you've been playing for an outstanding little prize package at the end of the year. It's a great cup prize package that includes a unique championship ring along with a trip for two to the Grey Cup in Calgary with some outstanding tickets involved. So yeah, we're all the way up to week 10, approaching the midway mark of the season for a lot of, te- a lot of teams. So this week on the podcast, not only are we talking about the BC Lions and how fantasy relevant they are, Dane Evans gets the job done against the BC Lions in week 9. The year of the return touchdown continues and Bo Levi Mitchell is ready to return in Calgary. Oh and don't look now but the Argos are only a couple of games back of a playoff spot. All of that is on the docket today on the week 10 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Pat Steinberg here in Calgary out east in Toronto are Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever. and Jeff the BC Lions they don't win the game but they put up 34 points on the road in Hamilton. Are we starting to think about the BC Lions a little bit more putting them in our lineups each and every week this is sort of that definition of post hype right where we were kind of pumped about the lions all off season mm-hmm. talking about that uh, mike riley going there and getting indoors and throwing of those weapons brian burnham uh you guys were excited about i was excited about duran carter uh we all got really into lamar durant and what he was doing at the start of the year and then he he's put up some zeros since then although he bounced back it's one game. I don't know how quickly we're going to jump back on that bandwagon, but I'm excited, and it got me excited. Here's the thing, and I said this loud and clear earlier in the year when they were struggling, and I wondered aloud, what's going on with the ratio, and why are they starting four Canadian offensive linemen? I think they made that change this week, and I think it helped them. I think putting Justin Renfro at tackle, I think he's been an upgrade over Brett Boyko. I think that O-line was better. Yes, granted, Mike Riley was sacked four times. Um, the one that went over his head turned out to be a devastating play in the game because he ended up hurting his ankle. But I thought that offense looked the best it has all season. You have Mike Riley going over 10 yards per attempt, 75% on completions. I don't know about you guys. I'm ready to start rolling the dice with these guys again because the values have come down a little bit as well. I think there's, I think there's some, uh, some value, some value to be had, and some good plays with with guys like Mike Riley and Brian Burnham and Deron Carter. There were a couple of guys who I never fully shied away from, but yeah, I haven't played many Lions in the past few weeks. Brian Burnham's pretty much always been a solid choice. Lamar Durant is always offering some value there. So I wouldn't say I was completely off the Lions. Was I off Riley? For sure. Uh, Was I ever on the Duran Carter train? No. I don't think I am now even, but I don't know. I think 
you're not giving them enough credit to say we've all been off them this whole time. Well, one of their most recent games, remember, uh, in the back-to-back against the Riders, you had Mike Riley with, what, 60-something passing yards? I mean, if that wasn't enough to turn you off them... I don't, I don't think many people are picking the Lions this past week. Let's say that. Did you have any in your lineup? I didn't, no. It's been a couple weeks since I've had them, but it's really just Burnham who I'd want in my lineup, and at 7,700, it was just a little bit rich for my blood because I was spending a lot of cash elsewhere. just seems really one game where they put up 34 points seems, I don't know, a little premature for me to start saying that all of a sudden we're ready to put the BC Lions back in our lineup and now watch out, all of a sudden they're going to be a a top fantasy team once again. There's a few things that worry me. Uh, I'm worried about Mike Riley because he did not look the same after that ankle injury, so I'm I'm curious about how he's going to be uh, after that, that play late in the game. That's a little worrisome to me. And the other worrisome part is that it's just one game and and it was against a good Hamilton team and they had a comfortable lead and they blew it and they they put up 34 points on merit but I don't know one game for a team that has struggled offensively like they have all year long and they've struggled to protect their quarterback the way they have all year long I'm I'm not quite where you are Jeff I'm not quite ready I I I believe that you've got lots of lions in your lineup for week 10 Uh, I'm I'm not quite ready to go down that road especially with a really tough matchup against at least the best record in the CFL in Winnipeg in week 10. It's early for me. We're recording on Monday night, so I've still got some time to make up my mind. But yeah, I've got a few. I'm looking at Mike Riley at around 10K. I like that. He was 14K all year last year. I think if he's starting to show that spark, I'm okay with that. I got Brian Burnham in there, and uh, I got Deron Carter right now. So I'm anticipating a really good matchup with the Bombers in, in a in a battle that really forces you to go vertical uh, because that bomber secondary can be attacked and you kind of have to because you can't run against them. This isn't going to be a game where John White's getting 20 carries on the ground, that I'm certain of. And I also think that desperation can bring the best out of you, right? It's a it's a pressure breaks pipes or, or makes diamonds kind of situation. And I think it's going to bring the best out of Mike Riley here because They've got nothing to lose. They got to start winning football games to keep their season alive. And Mike Riley's too good a quarterback to keep down and out for this long. I mean, you talk about but a guy. Why are with, they? Why are they desperate MLP. all of a sudden now? Haven't they been desperate since like week five? Well, I, I, I think that this past week coming off the bye was was you're looking at must win territory for them, and they responded with a with a pretty impressive outing against the Ticats in a game that they really should have won. Uh, and they blew it at the end. But I- I'm talking about Mike Riley specifically and a quarterback that he's too good to keep down and out for that long. You're looking at eight touchdowns, eight interceptions this year. Hasn't been uh, as relevant as we're used to uh, as far as the top statistical producers go. I think something's got to give there. I, I think you're going to see Mike Riley throwing for 300-plus yards regularly, and he starts to take matters more into his own hands, and, and uh, we see a little bit more of that vintage Mike Riley. I'm not there yet. I do agree that their matchup against Winnipeg is going to force that group to be a whole lot more vertical because Winnipeg just does not allow very uh, very much on the ground. Right now, they're averaging a CFL best yards per game of under 67 yards. Like You just don't run on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and that's been their calling card all year long. So I could see a vintage performance from Mike Riley, at least in terms of passing attempts. If he were to be in the 40 attempt range when it's all said and done, wouldn't 
wouldn't surprise me. That's one of the four games in week number 10. BC and Winnipeg kicks us all off on Thursday night at IG Field in Winnipeg. That's week 10. Here's how things looked in week 9. What a week for Brandon Banks after setting out a week with injury. The Ticats receiver was the best player in fantasy in week 9, uh, scoring the game-winning touchdown and piling up 37 points against the aforementioned Lions. Uh, leading the way for BC was receiver Brian Burnham. He had 34 points, one of a trio of high-scoring Lions. Mike Riley and John White also had really good weeks. Top running back, however, and rounding out the top three was C.J. Gable. Two touchdowns gave him 31 points in a win over Ottawa. The year of the return touchdown and the year of the returner continues. A week after Devontae Dedman scored twice, Bombers returner Janarian Grant took two to the house to lead Winnipeg over Calgary in a tight one. And despite the loss, Nick Arbuckle led all quarterbacks with 24 points in what was likely his last start for a little while. We're expecting Bo Levi Mitchell back for Week 10's matchup against the Montreal Alouettes. The Bo Show returns. We gotta have a little theme music for that. Doesn't, doesn't Bo have his own music? Pat, you hosted a radio show with him. I, I still do. He uh, he he told us what his walk-up music is in his headphones last week. I just don't remember what it was. It was something. It was something that I'd never heard of before. What a lousy friend. Can't even remember his walk-up music. What's your walk-up he'll, music? He'll live. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that, like, on the radio show, we use, like, some Florida Georgia Line or some Johnny Cash or something like that. So he likes, he likes his country music. My, my walk-up music, um, I don't have walk-up music. I'm not important enough. Seem like a pretty big deal to me. We, we can give you, we'll think of some walk-up music for you for the podcast. We'll get you something. I don't know about Florida. I don't know about Florida Georgia Line or Johnny Cash, though. I don't know if, that's, I don't know if that'll work on this podcast. Week nine winners, Western Willies, still on top, and he wins the race to a thousand points. We have someone uh, over a thousand points, uh, and you're looking at through nine weeks, so that's well over a hundred points uh, per week, and coming off a ninety-five point week. So, uh, congrats to Western Willie. We'll see if we have a, a wire-to-wire winner this year, because he's pretty much, aside from one or two weeks, he's he's been on top uh, the entire way. Uh, Lad had the best week nine with 132 points, including big performances from Brian Burnham, CJ Gable, and Dane Evans. Big game Dane. Hopefully a listener of the podcast. We were, <laughs> we were all pretty high on him last he week. He showed up. Yeah. Big, big game Dane came through. Having a cool nickname usually helps. Worked for Big Play VA. And, uh, well... Uh, this week, Hannah had the best week out of all of us with 85.1. Tough week for a lot of us. We had some injuries. Romar Morris, uh, a lot of people had Romar, and he went down um, with a pretty devastating injury, what sounds like could be a season-ending injury for him, as well as that weather-shortened game uh, surprise in, uh, <laughs> yep. in Montreal. Uh, but we were all affected by that. I think, I think a lot of us fairly equally, and most of us had someone from that game anyway. And uh, second place, Pat Steinberg, who falls to second out of the three of us overall with 68 points. And uh, I I had a terrible week, 54.8 points. Uh, Took some risks, and uh, they didn't pay off for me. Especially, I went cheap at running back. Cam Marshall, uh, not a good week. Quan Bray, tough week for me. And uh, among the three of us, uh, Hannah back on top, overcoming a lot there. Uh, And uh, the 54.8, that was my worst of the year by about 20 points. So I've had a consistent year, if nothing else. But 
Not anymore. I'm more shocked that somebody's over a thousand. I'm just trying to claw my way to a hundred every week. It takes it takes a lot of consistency because, Oof. and that's been the key for Western Willie is you can have a lot of good weeks and you can even have a week where you're not off the charts, but you can't have those fifty or sixty point weeks. You just can't do it. I've had one or two. Well, that's why you're not. We all go through points, it. I guess. <laughs> well, I'm so on the top when it comes there. to us, so you're I'll take top. that. You are on top. Let's send it to the Fantasy Flash because it's Monday night and we got news. Mike Riley returned to practice on Monday. He has what the team describes as a sore ankle after being injured versus the Ticats, but is expected to start this week in Winnipeg. The Red Blacks have released Canadian receiver Julian Fioli-Gudino. Sticking with Ottawa, keep an eye on the status of injured receivers Devontae Dedman and Rafael Arujo-Lopes. Both players left last weekend's loss to Edmonton. Make sure to monitor the Stampeders' running backs this week. Romar Morris's season is feared over while injured running backs Don Jackson and Kadeem Carey could be close to a return. James Wilder Jr. was back at practice for the Argos on Monday. Expect him to return to the lineup on Friday when Toronto hosts Edmonton. And with quarterbacks James Franklin and Zach Calero still sidelined, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is in line for another start for the Argos. Rafael Arujo Lopes. That one is not sticking in my brain. That's a tough name. He looked good too. I I was uh, I was impressed by him. I thought when I saw the depth chart come out, I thought, who is this guy? All I know is he was named uh, must be named after the former Raptors basketball player, uh, once eighth overall pick, considered one of the worst draft picks in the team's history. <laughs> That's Rafael who you Arugio. want to name your kid Rafael after. Rafael Arujo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, that one didn't work out for the Raptors, but they needed a center. They went. They went for. That's why you don't go need, folks. That's why you uh, you go the best player available. You know, you don't pigeonhole yourself. Where are we now? We got Andrew Harris versus his old team, the BC Lions. Fun matchup there because you have the Bombers who seem to be getting back on track, and you have the Lions who, I mean, as Pat said, we're kind of beyond the point of saying that it's must win for the BC Lions. But uh, Andrew Harris seems to do well against his old team. 148 yards last game. Do you guys like him as, as your RB1 this week? He's the first guy I put in my lineup. And he's $11,000. So he's not going to be easy to keep in there, but I'm doing it. It does not get more consistent than Andrew Harris. You said he likes playing his former team. He likes playing every team. His worst week this year, he had 14 fantasy points. And beyond that, he's 20 or above every other week. This guy is guaranteed points. I know he's expensive, but... He should be in your lineup every week. Jeff, are you ready to uh, maybe walk back the worries about a 32-year-old Andrew Harris? Because he's been, he's been one of the most consistent players in the CFL. It's not like Winnipeg is going away from him in third and fourth quarters. He looked just as fresh in the fourth quarter against the Stampeders on Thursday night as he did in the first quarter. He touched the ball 27 times. Like... I know that you're always worried about how old a guy is and and when that drop-off might happen. I don't think you need to be worrying about that in 2019 for Andrew Harris. And who's taking his carries? Nobody's nobody's taking his carries away. They're using Harris the same way this year as they did last year when he had his best-ever statistical season. This guy is as good and as consistent as he's ever been. Now, here's the thing. I take a little bit of exception to this. And I was a little frustrated last week when Hannah opened the show with with my (laughs) quote, as she had to do, because you guys love picking on me about Andrew Harris. But 99% of things that I've said about Andrew Harris have been positive. And he's a terrific athlete who has 
certainly defying his age right now. Look, I, I was watching a show, uh, an NFL preseason show about fantasy football because I just love fantasy and I can't get enough. And they talk about running backs like LaShawn McCoy being well past his prime and being ready to go out the door. Running backs in their late 20s, uh, never mind 30, they're getting ready to put you on the shelf and say, that's it, we're done with that. So what Andrew Harris has done is absolutely remarkable and he is probably the best running back in the CFL right now, although I put William Stanback up in the same class, um, just hasn't done it with the same sample size. But I don't need to be picked on for this. I think Andrew Harris is great. I'm just saying it's August right now, all right? If he's going to continue to get a crazy workload every week, I'm going to be a little concerned about how a 32-year-old running back is going to handle that towards the end of the season. Sue me. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on it. Sue me. Always that caveat, hey? You've always got to add that little thing at the end. You provoked both. me. You, you poked the bear. You, said, you, you gave the little nudge and said, hey, you know what? This, this sounds but you've fun. But you've got, this, got, this no, you've got nothing Jeff, to back it on. You've got sounds, nothing to back it on. Like where, where, at what point has this guy ever shown a single sign of slowing down? He has not yet. There's no doubt about that. I rest my case. <laughs> so Pat, the answer is no, he's not willing to back off that point yet. Regardless, Jeff, Jeff is all fired up. You should see him right now. There is literal fire in his eyes. Uh, we're going to stick in Winnipeg for a second. Bring up Lucky Whitehead. He's had some massive weeks. He's had some moderate weeks around the 10-point mark, and he's had some real busts. His price is dropping back down to money pick territory, which makes me a little bit more tempted to take him because he can get that big boom week. Is it a usage thing? Are they just not using him enough? Do you think they're going to start using him more, or do you think they're happy with the way things are going right now? You're not even going to read my headline for this? No. Up all night to get lucky. I, come on. Who, who sings the song, Jeff? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. I believe, isn't that, Daft isn't Punk. that Pharrell and Daft Punk? Daft Punk. Yeah. 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 I think Lucky Whitehead is, is being underutilized right now. I think the Bombers need to find more ways to get him the football. And I know Paul Apolise, he's one of the brightest offensive minds in the game. And let's be honest, this Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense isn't playing to its full capability right now. they got a lot of weapons. Uh, some guys are out. I think the Darvin Adams injury hurts them a little bit. But we know what the, the ceiling is. We've seen what the best of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are. They're in a slump right now. And even with their win over Calgary, they weren't very good. They won because of two timely interceptions and two special teams touchdowns on really big returns by Janarian Grant. Their offense, it's in a slump. It hasn't broken out. Uh, does it happen without Darvin Adams? Whether he's back this week or not, I'm not sure. But I think if you want to break out of a slump, you're, you find ways to get lucky way at the ball in space. That's going to help. That's going to get you there. You've got, you've got Andrew Harris, who's going to get all the attention from the defense anyway. There's got to be a way to get lucky, the ball in space. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. You've got an offense that has 
sort of sputtered of late. I know they were getting some boo birds from the home crowd in the fourth quarter when they weren't able to get a first down. They, they were able to get one after the, the timely interception, but there were a couple of really costly two and outs that allowed the Stampeders to hang around. And I just feel when you've got a player as dynamic and explosive as Lucky Whitehead and your offense is looking for a real shot in the arm, getting him more involved is the way to go. They've got an interesting matchup against BC. They're at home again. It would not surprise me if we see Whitehead uh, significantly more part of the offense this time around. So he's in my lineup. He's just under $3,900. Hannah, as you mentioned, he's back down near money pick range. He's not quite under $35, but at $3,900 for a guy that could bust out a 15, 20, 25 point game uh, at 39, he's in my lineup for sure this week. We talked about consistency with Andrew Harris, but what about Trevor Harris? He has pretty much been our most consistent quarterback not saying a lot because none of the quarterbacks have been consistently high scoring four out of eight weeks he's hit that 20 point mark what's it what's it say here this is going to get pat mad what's it say here in the rundown it says was jeff right about trevor harris i'm starting to think so i mean earlier in the year all i said was heck of a talented quarterback uneven uneven production not consistent enough he hasn't been consistent this year. Two touchdowns in his last four games. That's not going to do it. Especially if you're spending ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000 on him where you're expecting QB1 production. So I'm sorry, Pat. I think I was unfairly chastised by you earlier in the season. And you owe me an apology. No, because I still don't agree. Because you're talking about the CFL's number one passing quarterback and it's not even close. He leads the league in passing yards by a significant margin. The Eskimos have the best po- passing offense in the CFL. Like No quarterback is going to put up 400 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions every single week, but the most consistent quarterback in the CFL this year has been Trevor Harris. I don't know. Like you, You're sitting here saying he's been too inconsistent. He's been the most consistent quarterback in the CFL. It seems like a very... Can you disagree with that? Like, Who's been more consistent than he has? Well, in fantasy, I think Fajardo and Vernon Adams have been more consistent lately. Well, are we talking about fantasy? Or are we, I mean, I know it's a fantasy podcast. We're talking, we talking about, about fantasy. fantasy? We're, we're talking, talking about overall. We're talking about last four weeks, Trevor Harris has two touchdown passes. He also has failed to reach 20 points in four of his eight starts this season. So to is me, Fajardo. To me, that's an issue. Right. But Fajardo coming in at a much cheaper cost. He is. I, I agree with Pat in that Trevor Harris is the most consistent quarterback this year. Is he as consistent as I would like him to be? No, but I, I'd still rank him as number one easily. I haven't been seeing him in your lineups lately, so that's all I know. And I took him this past week thinking he was going to light up that Ottawa defense, and he, he just he isn't doing it right now. So I don't know. I'm having a hard time paying a premium salary for a quarterback who, let's be honest, he's not hot right now. And he's playing fine. He's winning games, and the Eskimos' offense is productive, sure. But he's not putting the ball in the end zone. And he's not, it's not paying off for fantasy players right now. It, I guess it comes down to, for me, and I, there's, there's, a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a gap between Trevor Harris, the quarterback, and Trevor Harris, the fantasy quarterback. Because it's hard for me to ever put a t- $10,000 or $11,000 quarterback in my lineup. I've never done it. And as soon as Harris's salary started reaching over, over $9,000, know, he became a little bit more, um, he became a little bit more prohibitive for, for me going all the 
the way back to last year. So I don't usually go that route when it comes to quarterbacks, but I will say if you're, if you're asking me who's been the best quarterback in the CFL this year, it has been Harris. Now, Fajardo and Adams have given you decent value, really good value at times because their salaries have been a little bit lower. And I understand the conversation is saying, well, how much, how much or how comfortable are you putting Harris in your lineup at $10,000? So I guess it depends what we're arguing about because I don't disagree that he's been, uh, there have been some weeks where the fantasy totals haven't been high, even this past week against Ottawa, but how much of that is on Harris and how much of that is on scheme? And I take a look at the way that that game was played and the way the Eskimos went about their business. That was a, a heavy run game, a heavy CJ Gable game. And so I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard for me to criticize the best quarterback in the CFL this year. But at the same time, I don't dispute that at 11000 or I guess $10,000 right now, he's not always the easiest guy to get in your lineup. And I don't think I've had him in my lineup since week, week one or week two. But that's not because I don't think he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's still... He still threw the ball 40 times and just so happened that instead of him getting the ball and him passing the ball in the red zone, they gave it to C.J. Gable. That's not really a criticism on Harris and seems a little unfair for a guy who threw seven incomplete passes uh, in that game on Friday night. It's a really strange way of saying sorry, Pat. I'll accept it, though. I, 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 don't, I don't apologize and I don't agree. <laughs> like I, 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 Your criticism of Harris has been strange all year long, but... Agree to disagree. Actually, I, I, I've I've been quite high on Harris, and he's disappointed me a little bit. I even Hannah even cut me out on one of those uh, social snippets and and uh, talking about how great Trevor Harris is. And you know what? I, I want to see more from him. I don't think it's going to happen this week against the Argos. The Eskimos are in Toronto, and a lot of people seem to like to pick on the Argos and take uh, Toronto Argonauts opponents in fantasy. By the way, the X is going on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get over my tough my tough week and enjoy the Canadian National Exhibition, the CNE at Toronto, along the along, right along the lake shore, and beautiful way to end the summer with all the good all the good food and I'm not big on the rides there, but uh, I like to walk around and and uh, enjoy everything there is and all the, the fun carnival games and I'm gonna enjoy the Argos game on Friday night because. I think they're going to shut down Trevor Harris, just like they have the last three quarterbacks they've faced. And there's one thing that stands out to me, last three Toronto Argonaut opponents, 68%, 219 yards per game, three touchdowns, two interceptions. That's three touchdowns in three games. That's all right. But the most staggering for me, 6.6 yards per attempt. Quarterbacks are not having an easy time against this Argos defense, at least not the way fantasy players might think they are. So maybe you shouldn't be targeting them, but that doesn't really mean you should be taking this Argos defense in your lineup. Did you say it's three straight weeks well, that you're taking the things. Argos defense? No, no. Do you have the Argos defense in your lineup? Oh, this week I'm considering it, yeah. But it's, I haven't taken they're not three, putting up I've any points I've barely taken there. them this year. Okay. Because, yeah, maybe it is something to think about. Maybe we can't pick on this team the way we originally this, thought. This they, is what I'm going for here. They it's, certainly it's, don't look like the team that gave up 64 points to start the season. They've, they've gotten a lot better. And you know what? I, I, that, that, here's the thing. Going into that game, at $3,200, I do actually think that defense is worth considering because that's a really big game for the Argos. That defense is going to have to carry that team, much like the game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, a couple of weeks ago before the bye, where the defense had a really good performance uh, after getting 
completely destroyed by Andrew Harris in the first half. They bounced back uh, and made that comeback possible. But you're talking about a home game, uh, big crowd anticipated at BMO Field, which doesn't happen a whole lot. And uh, fans are going to be really into that game, looking for a win uh, to get the Argos back into this thing. Remember, there are only two games out of second place in the East. Their season, contrary to popular belief, is not over yet. And we've seen what a Corey Chamberlain coach defense can do in the past. Uh, some of the talent on that secondary is starting to really step up. And I think the Argos defense makes life a little bit difficult for Trevor Harris this week. Well, how about the defense on the other side of the ball? The last time these two teams met up, Toronto didn't score a single point. Is that the defense you should be looking at? Should you be avoiding playing players against Edmonton? Like, this is, this is a strange matchup. The Eskimos have the best defense in the Canadian Football League, and uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. The problem is, Jeff, I'm not, I'm not sure if they have the best fantasy defense in the CFL. Like Winnipeg and Calgary, um, th- these are the teams that are taking the football away a little bit more, and, and their turnovers, their, their point scoring, their fantasy point scoring has been a little bit more impressive. Like the thing that Edmonton does, it's not sexy for fantasy purposes. All Edmonton does is they don't allow a lot of yards on the ground, and they don't allow a lot of yards through the air, and that kind of translates to not allowing a lot of points but it's not like we're talking about a massive plus differential on the turnovers they're they're doing it more of a traditional and very simple effective way as opposed to big time pick numbers or big time sack numbers so it's funny like I'm not I'm not eager playing a lot of Argos against Edmonton because I don't think that that is a great play to go up against a defense that doesn't allow very much but I also don't know if Edmonton's defense is one that I'm really jumping on to play for fantasy purposes at least for this matchup against the Argos it's interesting because as you alluded to the Eskimos, they're not a juggernaut as far as forcing turnovers. You're right. Uh, they're, they're middle of the pack with 19 turnovers forced this year. That's not going to do you a whole lot for fantasy. They do lead the CFL in sacks, 26 sacks, and that defensive front can be really scary. And a few weeks ago, it absolutely owned the Argos offensive line and McLeod Bethel-Thompson and Dakota Prukop and anything the Argos tried to do that game. So it's really hard to repeat that. It's incredibly difficult to get a shutout in the CFL. I mean, even even if you have a dominating defensive performance, think about how easy it is to get a single point in this mm-hmm. league, right? So not saying we're expecting that again, but the question is going to be which McLeod Bethel Thompson shows up because this has been a very turnover-prone player throughout his career. Is it going to be the Bethel Thompson that protected the ball well against the Bombers? Or is it going to be the McLeod Bethel Thompson that's thrown as many interceptions in his career as touchdowns? To me, if the Eskimos are able to beat the Argos O-line and get pressure on them, that's going to be trouble for the Argos offense. I don't mind the Esk's defense as a fantasy play this week. I'm not saying it's a lock. I still think there's some value there based off. And, and when you're talking about high pressure, if you're not getting the turnovers to match it, usually there's, usually you're going to see that even out. Right. Usually that's going to equal out because a lot of times in this league, um, pressure leads to mistakes. So, hey, that's that's something for me to look out for on Friday night. Okay. speaking of defense, we've got the Leo Vegas odds for week 10. And the thing that we're most focused on here uh, will be totals, although uh, there is one spread that stands out to me. The, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers favored by 12 and a half points to beat the BC Lions. So I guess the Leo Vegas odds makers have uh, have some faith in that Bombers offense and maybe a lucky Whitehead breakout. Uh, that game 
as we go through totals, uh, 51 and a half points. Uh, Edmonton, Toronto's 49 and a half points. Hamilton, Ottawa, 51 and a half points. And for Montreal, Calgary, that is the highest total of the week right now. It's early. Lines could move. But Montreal, Calgary, Bo Levi Mitchell coming back. The total for that game, uh, 52 and a half points. What do you guys think will be the highest scoring game this week? I actually like the game that we kicked off the podcast with because I do think you make a good point about how the game script might play out between BC and Winnipeg. Because the Bombers just don't allow anything on the ground, I don't know how involved John White's going to be, at least from a traditional rushing sense. So I I see Mike Riley, and we know what Mike Riley can do when you give him 35, 40 passing attempts. And I think they're going to open up the playbook a little bit more when it comes to Nichols. And yeah, I still think Andrew Harris will be very involved, but probably just as involved as he was against Calgary in the passing game. I see a lot of points in BC Winnipeg, which is funny to say because Winnipeg's one of the best defenses in the CFL. And you're talking about the CFL's worst record going up against the CFL's best record. But I actually see a lot of points between the Bombers and the Lions. So I understand why Leo Vegas goes Montreal Calgary there's a lot of common sense there but I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with BC Winnipeg and they're close they've got the total at 52 and a half for Montreal Calgary and 51 and a half for BC Winnipeg so it's close anyway but I'll go with the Bombers and Lions yeah lots of high totals there and I hate to repeat things but BC Winnipeg is exactly where my head was at you could see some shootout here especially if Mike Riley is is feeling into it this week as he clearly was last week I think Hamilton and Ottawa is a dark horse here. I agree with you guys that BC and Winnipeg is probably, for me, the highest scoring game as well. I think Hamilton-Ottawa is the dark horse. I think Dominique Davis, uh, he's going to run around and make some plays. Dane Evans is settling in. Uh, Brandon Banks is unstoppable right now. Um, and from a fantasy perspective, even at 14K, I mean, they, they, that's worth thinking about. Uh, and I think that Edmonton-Toronto game is going to be the lowest by far. I, I really think that's going to be a defensive struggle uh, in Toronto. So... Uh, hey, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Um, Montreal, Calgary. I don't, we'll see. We'll see what the odds makers see because they've got that game pegged. So um, with Bo coming back and uh, maybe a big play, VA comes back. We could could get some fireworks in that game. Uh, for more odds this week, be sure to check out Leo Vegas. Just search Leo Vegas. Uh, they've got odds, totals. Uh, they've got game props. Uh, all sorts of fun things there. Well, the year of the returner continues as we saw multiple again this weekend they're cheap returners are cheap because return yards don't get you a ton of fantasy points the return touchdowns are where things get interesting and there's been so many of them that are you considering throwing one of these guys in your lineup it seems like a risky play to me you guys both had janarian grant in the pool right as as the next the next big returner to break out yeah for sure definitely called that one I don't know. Pat, Pat, what do you think? This one's hard for me because I'm fully aware of how, how much of an unprecedented year we're talking about when it comes to returners. So I get it, and I, I love the conversation. And yet at the same time, it's like, can you really, can you really justify doing that if, if, you're not, if you're not sure that this guy's going to go off for a big game or if it's really as random as it is? And that's the thing. It is such a random thing. Like, Nobody had Grant having that type of game. Did anybody think that Devontae Dedman was going to have the type of game the week prior? So I guess if you want to 
take a shot in the dark and maybe hope that that returner, if he doesn't end up having a big game in special teams, might get a touch or two offensively. Like, you know, I'm really interested in Christian Jones this week. The Eskimos are one of the uh, three remaining teams without a return touchdown, I believe, so far this season. So I wonder about him. He had a couple of interesting runs in uh, in the game against Ottawa. So it's it's certainly something I've looked at. And when you start taking a look at some of the lower salaries, it, it gives you pause because of what you've seen. It's just, it's not the number one option that I would go down just because it is such a crapshoot and such a shot in the dark. If you had Grant, you're laughing. Or if you had Deadman two weeks ago, you're loving it. But it doesn't always work that way. I'm just checking here. And, and Deadman this past week, I, I took a gamble with him because just hearing about Rick Campbell trying to find ways to get him in there on offense. And even if he gets one or two catches, it makes a cheap under $3,000 return or all of a sudden worth it. He ended up with 6.9 despite leaving with an injury. And you know what? That, that, if that's the low end of the risk, uh, I could go along with that, knowing the, the upside that's there. Uh, Christian Jones this week was around six points again. I mean, if you're looking at a player under 3,000 that's, that's got that sort of ceiling of taking one to the house and getting a 15 points I think it's something to consider with the way guys are going to the house and the way guys are scoring touchdowns on returns this year I really do if you need that cheap filler uh, we're having a harder time finding efficient players that are $2,500 or in that money pick range so eh, it's it's something to consider especially if you're going for that home run swing unless you know for sure that they will be a part of the offense other than just returns, I don't think I can do it. But, yeah, we've had some trouble finding guys in the 2,500 range specifically. And I've been uh, I've been playing a $2,500 guy pretty much every week, kind of as a Hail Mary. Doesn't usually work out, but uh, maybe I should switch it up and start a returner. I don't know. It's basically a punt, right? I mean, you're, you're going in with low expectations thinking, yeah, this might get me – four or five or six points and hey if something happens and he breaks one i'll get double digits and and i'll have a really good week so you you know the risk going in and you're not going with one of those five or six thousand dollar guys chris rainey is, is a really hard buy for me for instance but other guy christian jones Devontae debman if he's healthy we don't know his status for this week after leaving injured last week Something to chew on. First half of our Saturday doubleheader sees Hamilton in Ottawa. And John Crockett has been having a decent little part of his season here. He had almost 13 points last week for just $4,500 when sometimes running backs can be tough to fit under that salary. So is he kind of flying under the radar? Because he's hovering around that low double digits range three out of the past four weeks, the 12, 13 point range. Should he be in our lineup? Is that where we should be looking for value? He's not under the radar for me because he was, I think, the second player I locked into my Week 10 lineup. He's he's not my lock of the week, but he was close. If you're getting a number one running back for under 4,700 points, I think you're pretty happy with that. And Ottawa has 
seem to be pretty committed to using him. Uh, you know, even take a look at the, the very, it was not a big game offensively for either team, but you know, we're still talking about more than 12, almost actually almost 14 points for Crockett against the Eskimos in what was not the greatest game. They, they have not used him a lot in the passing game, and I, I would like to see him used a little bit more in the red zone, but you know he's going to get the touches. And at under $5,000, if you can get him at around double digits each and every every week in terms of your points, uh, you're pretty happy with that. And I think this week they'll use him a little bit more. So yeah, Crockett is, is definitely in my lineup for week 10. I think the matchup with Hamilton presents a really good opportunity. We saw what John White did to them last week. Hamilton Tiger Cats, I'll read the numbers here. Third last in the CFL in opponent rushing yards, 117 per game. I like that number. Uh, Opponent rushing average, second worst in the CFL, 5.6 yards per carry. Uh, I'm okay with that, number two. And here's one to round out the trifecta. 13 opponent rushing touchdowns this year. That's tied for the most in the league. That's a good number as well. So for a running back who's becoming the featured player on his offense, because it's not Dominic Davis, it's not Dominique Rimes, RJ Harris has been out. There's no one in Ottawa that's really stepped up to become the guy. I think it's becoming John Crockett. And at $4,500, that's a matchup I'm all over this week. That's You're talking running back one production at a really good price tag. So I think you have to have John Crockett in your lineup this week, whether it's your RB1 or your RB2. On the other side of the field at a very similar price tag, $4,900, Cam Marshall made his return to the Ticats lineup after being injured for several weeks. Not super involved. Seven carries versus BC. Are you expecting more from him this week because he's around the same price? We saw him do good things. Hamilton's just had some some injury issues at that position. I, I took Cam Marshall as what I thought wasn't much of a gamble. I thought this is a solid player with a long track record in the CFL uh, who fits what the Ticats want to do as a power running back. And I, I was surprised with his usage. He only had a couple of carries in the first half, ended the game with seven carries, and the Ticats were doing some really innovative things uh, using multiple backs, including getting receiver Braylon Addison the football on carries. So uh, it's unconventional. I don't know if it'll continue, but I'm still interested in Cameron Marshall. I'm not as gung-ho as I was on him a week ago. I don't know. What, what do you think, Pat? I actually was really intrigued with him last week, too. I didn't end up going with him in my lineup, but he was definitely an intriguing player. And the thing is, when he touched the ball, he was pretty productive. It's not like we were talking, he finished with seven carries for 40 yards, and it's not like he busted out a 31-yard gain and the rest were a bunch of, you know, little little pounces up the middle where he fell down for a yard. Like, he was averaging almost six yards a carry uh, in, in a game against uh, a BC Lions team that we know is susceptible. But I don't know. I, I thought that Marshall could have and should have been used a little bit more because he was effective when he touched the ball. But they were really committed to getting Dane Evans into that offense and, and having him throw the ball, ball a whole lot more. Actually, Marshall's really intriguing to me because I think if you go back and look at the tape and as Hamilton analyzes things going into an important game against Ottawa, I wonder if they don't look to Marshall a little bit more and say, okay, 
We're going to be on the road. This is an important game to maybe gain a little bit more ground between ourselves and Montreal and Hamilton, uh, Montreal and Ottawa, rather. Maybe use this guy a little bit more because he was, he was actually pretty productive when he touched the ball. I like the matchup this week with Ottawa as well for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think you've got a young quarterback in Dane Evans that you want to protect, and running the football is going to do that. But also, I mentioned all those defensive uh, rushing statistics and how the Ticats are struggling to stop the run. The Ottawa Red Blacks are right up there with them. In fact, the Red Blacks are, have given up more yards per game than the Ticats, uh, and they've also allowed 13 rushing touchdowns this year. So there are going to be a lot of chances on the ground, and I think a, a, a duo of Cam Marshall and John Crockett it's good value. It's going to give you a little bit of uh, salary cap space elsewhere in your lineup, and I think you can get really good production out of that tandem. Well, you can get them for less than one Andrew Harris. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's that's a lot of value, that. but I'm I'm still sticking with the uh, the Harris play. Our final game of the week sees Montreal in Calgary, and we've got a familiar face. Bo is back. He's been out since he went down with an injury in week three. He's hovering around nine thousand dollars. So one of the cheaper, expensive quarterbacks, if that makes sense. He's back in the lineup, but is he in your lineup this week? Are you thinking about putting Bo in? I thought about it. I did because I do think we're going to be talking about a pretty fired up Bo Levi Mitchell coming back into the lineup. It, it killed him not being in, and he wanted to be playing. But I also wonder a little bit about how quickly they're going to bring him back into the full playbook and that's not to say that they have to ease him back in but uh even it's funny we had uh, we were doing a show on Saturday and, and Bo stopped by for a segment and even he said he does this game every year it's the uh, throw for broke game where he donates a certain dollar total for every yard that he throws for and corporate Calgary kind of gets behind it too and it all goes to big brothers big sisters here in Calgary and he's like I don't know if I want to do it against Montreal because uh, I, I'm worried that Dave's going to just keep handing it off handing it off handing it off now we don't know exactly what the running back situation is going to look like for the Stampeders but uh, yeah I, I think that there's definite reason to think about putting Bo in when it came down to it I, uh, I'm going with Dana Evans instead of Bo Levi Mitchell just because there's a $3,000 price difference there but I think I think Bo's going to be pretty fired up and I think the matchup from a Calgary perspective works Montreal despite having some really good talent in that secondary and I do think they're coming around that's still the league's worst secondary yardage wise so I do think there's some yards to be had there so if you're thinking about Bo I don't think it's a bad play I'm not going with him but I, I certainly considered it I really like Montreal's defense lately, and I think some of those numbers that you allude to are skewed by the first three weeks of the season. When I agree. Montreal, they're, they're definitely coming around and shaping and, and yeah. rounding into form. I yeah. agree. They're, they're going in the right direction, and, and we look back to the first three weeks. They give up three straight 400-yard passers, so that's going to hurt your numbers. They're, they're, they've, come back, they've come back down to the rest of the pack now, so uh, I, I, I will gladly admit um, – that I was wrong about about that defense coming into this season. I thought with the new defensive coordinator that that would be a struggle and would take there would be a season long learning curve there. That hasn't been the case. The learning curve's been more like three weeks because uh, they look good and and Siante Evans flies out there and and uh, Tommy Campbell flies out there and now they got Chris Ackey and and Enoch Mwamba and Taylor Loeffler. I mean, if you if you're a receiver, you gotta have, you gotta have your head on a swivel with those guys around. So. Um, I could see Calgary running the football a lot, and 
I don't know. There's something about the Montreal Alouettes. Pat, I, maybe I'm off base here, but it, I feel like throughout his career, Bo's had a tough time against Montreal sometimes. Specifically in Montreal, the Stampeders mm. always seem to struggle there. At home, it hasn't been quite the same, but certainly the Alouettes have been a team that Bo and the Stampeders have struggled uh, against more than probably they should have uh, based on some of the teams the Alouettes have had. But I, I, I look at this one and I... I still think that there's a chance for some good numbers passing-wise for, for the Stampeders. And there's a couple receivers there that I think are, are really starting to find a groove. I think Reggie Begleton has turned into, or I guess returned to being, one of the more consistent receivers in the CFL. And Eric Rogers had a really big touchdown, uh, touchdown reception in that game against Winnipeg on Thursday night. So I do think there some, are some intriguing plays. Like I don't think... I don't think you're picking on Montreal the same way that you might pick on some other defenses right now, but I also think that you're not shying away from good players either because I still think that you can put up yards on them. So you're, you're saying a few too many uh, late nights out of Montreal maybe. Is that, is that what you're getting at here? That has, been, that has been one of the theories, yes, a mm. couple of trips to Crescent Street. Interesting. Is Montreal fun? Do we know this? I can I can vouch for that. Yes, Pat Steinberg, fun guy. Fun guy. Can we say that now? Now that Kawhi's gone, or is fun guy dead to us? Uh, Well, there's got to be a new fun guy, right? No, we got to replace him. Are you saying you're replacing Kawhi Leonard as the fun guy with Pat Steinberg? I think Pat Steinberg's the fun guy. It's too much pressure for me. I couldn't even get the "we're up all night to get lucky" question right. That's true. You were close. I was pretty close. I was half right. I got Daft Punk. <laughs> I got the Daft Punk part of it. Partial points are good. Um, I think we all had Romar Morris in our lineup last week. I know I did. Uh, tough to see him go down with that injury for him personally, uh, for the game, for everything. Stamps have been struggling to run in 2019. What's next? Does, does anything turn around? Pat, what's going on with the run game? Well, here we are on Monday, and right now there's a thought that either Don Jackson or Kadeem Carey or both might be able to return. Now, the Stampeders, uh, as we're recording right now, haven't been on the practice field since Thursday's loss in Winnipeg. They'll get back on Tuesday, so we'll know a little bit more then. Even if Jackson or Carey are ready to return, though, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm starting to be a little less uh, interested in Stampeders running backs because... They just haven't been able to get the job done. I mean, when you're talking about a Stampeders team that is rushing the ball as... It's not even as... um, They're not doing it as regularly as you'd think, and they're also not doing it as effectively as you'd think. Right now, they've got the worst yards per carry average in the CFL. They've got the second worst yards per game in the CFL. Uh, I don't know. Like, they're just... it's, It's... Strange to see what the Stampeders have become from a running standpoint. I think the rotation of running backs hasn't helped because they haven't been able to settle on one guy. But, I mean, they're also the second lowest attempts per game. They're just over 16 attempts per game right now. So I, I'm wary of the Stampeders at running back, even if Carey and or Jackson are ready to return. There's no doubt that 
Romar Morris's injury was devastating. Uh, I know that after you suffer one Achilles injury, there's a good chance that you could do it again on the other foot, and that's exactly what it seems like has happened for Romar Morris. It's just devastating because that probably means another nine, ten months of recovery if he decides he even wants to go down that road. If neither Jackson nor Carey are ready to return, then you're probably banking on Terry Williams getting the, the bulk of those carries uh, on Saturday against Montreal. But nonetheless, right now, Calgary running backs are are not high on my wish list. Uh, it's interesting. I haven't heard that before about the uh, the opposite Achilles. It's, uh, but I guess it makes sense. Um, you know, the thing that I wonder is, is it the O-line? Because they've had some changes there. They have a couple of, of young players uh, that have been added to that group this year that have been drafted in the last year or so. They've also given up the second most sacks in the CFL, and they're not even that far behind the BC Lions. The Lions have given up uh, a league worst, I believe, 29 sacks, and the Stamps aren't far behind at 24. This is not what we're used to seeing from Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel and Bo Levi Mitchell and, and this Stamps regime. We're used to seeing them near the top of the board in rushing yards, and we're used to seeing them giving up... Uh, around the fewest sacks in the CFL. So uh, to me, very uncharacteristic of this team. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that and how, they, uh, how, they, uh, how things unfold as the season continues towards Labor Day. For the Alouettes, tons of injuries right now, tons of injuries this year. But is there a guy in that lineup who you would feel comfortable playing? Is there some value there to be had anywhere? I thought we were going to see more production this year from Geno Lewis. Uh, that hasn't happened, but I wonder if these injuries give him a chance uh, to get more targets. The guy I'm really looking at, though, is Quan Bray. I think he's got the value, uh, really talented receiver, and he's got a rapport, uh, especially with Vernon Adams. Uh, if he does come back this week, I want to see what those two guys can do together, and, and I think the value with Quan Bray is too hard to ignore. I, I had him in my lineup last week. He burned me a little bit with that short game. I think he's got big things in his future. Quan Bray's had a couple of really good games this year, and with no Devere Posey and no B.J. Cunningham in Week 10, that was the guy that jumped off the page to me, too. And you're right, especially if Vernon Adams Jr. is back, they have put together a couple of really solid games together, and I think Vernon Adams trusts him, understands the big playability. So I, I really like Quan Bray as well. He would be the one that, that jumps off the page to me, but it all depends on whether or not Vernon Adams is playing. If he's playing, then not only is Quan Bray a really interesting option, but so is Adams himself because he continues to be a really nice, good value target to put in at quarterback. All right, with that, we've hit our three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. And that means we've got our money picks and our locks of the week, which have proven to be difficult at times on a Monday, but we're going to make them anyways. Let's start with the money pick. Jeff, who's your money pick this week? I'm going back to the well here with Duran Carter. <laughs> going Surprise! back. But you're talking about a player with, with four games of six or more catches this year, including two games uh, with seven catches each. So he's proven he can be a high-volume player in that BC Lions offense. And in a game that should see BC go vertical, I think Duran's got a big one in him, finally, because he hasn't had one this year. He hasn't hit on a long one yet. I think this is the week. 
I, uh, I'm going to go, it's funny, we talked about returners earlier. For, for my money pick this week, I'm going to go with a returner, a guy that is probably only going to see the field in the return game unless there's injuries that play into it. But Edmonton's Christian Jones comes in at under $2,900. He's an explosive returner. And the Eskimos are a team that have yet to get a return touchdown, either a kick return or a punt return. So if uh, you like to play the odds, this might be the time to get Edmonton's returner in. So I'll go Christian Jones at 2820 as my money pick this week. I'm going to stick with the game that I think is going to be highest scoring, that Winnipeg-BC game. And Kenny Lawler continues to put up some decent totals for a $2,500 guy. You're not going to get a goose egg with Kenny Lawler. He is seeing some form of offense every game. And I think there's points to be had there. So if you need a a bottom-of-the-barrel $2,500 guy, Give Kenny Lawler a try. Um, let's go lock of the week. These guys will be in our lineups. Pat, who are you locking in on this Monday? Reggie Bagleton isn't a cheap receiver, but he's not a super expensive receiver either. Just over $7,100, the Calgary receiver has gone double digits five of the last six weeks. And with Bo Levi Mitchell returning, Reggie Bagleton is one of his favorite targets. Uh, He has got explosive speed. He's good in the red zone. So Reggie Bagleton at $7,100, I think he's going to have a big game against Montreal. Final game of Week 10, I'll make him my lock of the week. I'm going with Mike Riley and... Man, it just feels good to say, Mike Riley. I am pumped about Mike Riley and what he's going to do for the BC Lions this week because you know what? This is it. Backs against the wall. Those guys need a win. We're starting to see signs of the old Mike Riley over 10 yards per attempt. Uh, Last week, first time we've seen them in the double digits in that regard this season. And, hey, when, when, when you put Mike Riley down but not out, he's the guy I want to see with the ball in his hands. I have no problem putting faith in him. And... Seeing him bounce back this week for the BC Lions. It's going to be an air show in Winnipeg. Get ready, get ready, Bombers fans. <laughs> you have a lot more confidence in him than I I'm do. I'm ready. Bring it on. You've got 2018 Hannah confidence in Mike Riley. I'm back. I'm back on it. All right. Well, I'm going to practice what I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm locking in Andrew Harris. I don't think there's any way he's getting less than 20 points this week. And... Uh, I need that guarantee because I've had two weeks so far where my defense is my highest scoring player and uh, not really loving that trend. I've got to get some more production out of my running backs, out of my wide receivers. Andrew Harris is as sure a bet as I'm going to get. So that's who I'm locking in this week. I will say this about Pat's money pick, Christian Jones. The Argos, if you're looking to pick on them in one regard this week, it might be kick returns because... They're allowing nearly 30 yards per return, which is the most in the CFL. So something to watch there for. I don't know. Maybe Christian Should Jones I just get is, the Jeff uh, Creever seal of approval? Yeah. That's it's, yeah. Stamped. It's a good way to kick off your week. If you can get the J-K-S-O-A, the Jeff Creever seal of approval, you're doing something right. Uh, for six of the nine CFL teams, when Week 10 comes to an end, their seasons will be halfway done. Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, BC, Hamilton, and Ottawa are all playing their ninth games of the season in Week 10. It is a four-game week. It starts Thursday in Winnipeg and ends Saturday in Calgary. That'll do it for the week 10 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. 
Keep it dialed to CFL.ca and check out those projections like every other week, rankings, start and sit advice, all of it from Daily Roto. And uh, check out David Sanchez and Donovan Bennett, CFL.ca slash The Waggle. The Waggle, presented by Sport Clips. They're getting you ready for week 10. And uh, me, well, you'll find me at the X eating deep-fried cookie dough and deep-fried Mars bars and deep-fried... Reese cups and deep fried everything else I can think of. A lot of deep fried stuff there. If there's one thing I've heard about the CNE, and I've never been, if there's one thing I've heard, it's that the food is incredible. Yeah, and the deep fryers per capita just oh like yeah through, through the, roof. the roof. Yeah, but it makes everything better. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on cfl.ca. All right, that'll do it for the Week 10 edition of our CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by our good friends at Leo Vegas. On Twitter, Jeff's at Jeff Creever, Hannah's at HL Nordman. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Enjoy Week 10. We'll talk to you for the Week 11 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Oh, in about one week's time.